Hello, you're listening to the Life Worship Center podcast with Pastor Helene Robinson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this message. Well, I tell you, it's Pentecost Sunday. It's Pentecost Sunday. Now, for the most part, any of us that have been raised in the church, we know Pentecost Sunday is that Sunday of power. With the church itself receive the power of God that we might be his disciples. Well, I want to talk about that power. Then I want to ask the question, power for what? For what? Power for what? What is it that us receiving power is supposed to do in the life of the believer? Well, we are going to the book of Acts. We're going to the book of Acts. And I think most of the churches all around our country will be in the book of Acts today with Acts chapter 1. And while you're turning there, I want to set the stage for what we're going to talk about. So the book of Acts was was written by Luke the physician, where we're going. And and we believe that Paul was with him at this time. And so Luke wrote wrote of that power that we are going to talk about. Now, they say Pentecost is the time where before Pentecost, the promises of God, he focused on his his prized children and those in Israel. He focused on them. But after Pentecost is when he equipped us to minister to the world. We're going to talk about that because it's so important that we understand that our ministry far exceeds Sunday. To be honest with you, it don't take much to minister to y'all. It don't take much to minister to a believer. If I shout amen or say a couple of fiery phrases, trust me, because they used to do it in, in um, um, testimony service. They used to do it in noonday prayer. Big Martin didn't have to say much. And before you knew it, woo, we up in our, in our praise. So it's not hard to minister to believers. And honestly, I don't even need power to minister to you. When you say, I wish somebody's soul would catch on fire. I ain't really talking about y'all because I'm expecting y'all to be burning already. But my point is, it doesn't, the power of God was not sent so we can show off amongst each other. That is not why the power was sent. Now, I, I, I'm telling you, I, I'm all for evidence of that power, the speaking in tongues, and I admonish you that know how to do that or equipped with the Spirit of God to do that because in doing that, we begin to pray about things that our minds know not of. I begin to talk to God. My spirit man bypasses my mental ability, and my spirit man and I just talk to God. I can be at home and if I'm cleaning up and I go in the tongues and I start crying and I really don't know what I'm crying about, I don't. But my spirit man is immediately talking to God. Well, one evidence of being filled with the power of the Holy Ghost is speaking in tongues, but it's not to impress you, to let you know I have it. I don't know about y'all, but I don't grew up in church all my life, so I don't see some of everything. So sometimes they speak in tongues and they do all of that. That's as a sign of evidence that God has given them that. But they want you to see it more than anything else. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to tell you what I've seen. 
in the good churches I've been in. So uh, I'm saying his, him giving us power and us receiving the power and the Holy Ghost coming upon us has very little to do with us. So if you come to church and you never speak in tongues in front of me, if you never speak in tongues in front of your other godly sisters, that's not the importance of the evidence that you're operating in authority that God has given. So don't get sidetracked when people come with all this fancy stuff. I'm gonna tell you like my mama used to say, follow them home. <laughs> now she used to say it in a whole different world, but I think I want to, and I think I really want to acknowledge that. And just for my young people, that'll soon be in the workforce, glory to God. Well, all your college tuition is gonna be, be worth it, hallelujah. Well, let's talk about the young people for a minute. When my mama used to say, follow them home, Dale, what she meant was don't get caught up on what we see when they're out in the street, right? Don't get caught up in how they dress and what they drive. Follow them on home to see what they put the key in the door. <laughs> See if it's a little shack in the car, bigger. You know, follow them home to see how they live. So I want you to know in this day and age and in time, not only in the world, but in the church, you got to sort of keep that same attitude. Follow them home. I dare not say, even from a Sunday morning service, follow somebody to work on a Monday and see if their light really shining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't don't get caught up in this stuff. And I've never in my days seen so many people that put so much effort on the Sunday morning service and very little on the rest of the week. Follow them home and see if they really say that they have what they say they have. Follow them home. That's the only way you will know. You got to catch them out there in the world and see how they respond. But let's see what Acts chapter 1. And I want to start at verse 1, but I want to read it from the message translation. I want to read it from the message translation. So I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 5. So follow with me. It says, Dear Theophilus, in the first volume of this book, I wrote on everything that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he said goodbye to his apostles, the ones he had chosen through the Holy Spirit and was taken up to heaven. After his death, he presented himself alive to them in many different settings over a period of 40 days. In face-to-face -face settings, he talked to them about things concerning the kingdom of God. And as they met and ate meals together, he told them that they were on no account to leave Jerusalem. Now we get into the nitty-gritty. After Jesus comes back and he appears to the disciples about 40 different occasions. He gives them now some form of direction. He says, on no account are you to leave Jerusalem. What is it that Jesus could be setting them up for that is so powerful that he makes it clear after he shows himself to, to them, do this and do this only. Under no uncertain terms are you to leave Jerusalem. There must be something powerful going to happen at Jerusalem. There must be something real urgent that's happening at Jerusalem. We know now, even though we are adults and we can remember when we were children, when my mama was casually saying something and when she meant what she said. I ain't going to tell you no more. That, that used to get my ear. I'm only going to say it one time. 
Come here and look me in the face. Mama used to like to make sure you ain't wandering off looking at the cartoons and you ain't paying. Come here and look at me. Don't do this. And I knew that was serious. Jesus, after coming back, and after in his glory, he comes back 40 days showing himself to his disciples. And he says, this is my one thing I'm going to tell you and get it good. Don't leave Jerusalem. So as of this, I'm saying to myself, God, what is happening? That's so important that you made it clear. He didn't give me an option to say, I'm only telling you if you want to. My translation says, under no account circumstances at all to leave Jerusalem, but must wait for the Father promised gift, the promise you heard from me. Go there and wait. There's a promise that's coming. I, I want to say this to you, and it's not just in, in the context of this scripture. There are certain things that God has promised us, and under no uncertain terms do you take back and step down from your place of promise. Before God manifests anything, it's usually just a word and a promise. Some of us have forfeited and given up what God has said to us because all we had was promise. And it seemed like his promises were taking too long to come true. He told them, don't you go anywhere. You stay in Jerusalem until what the Father has promised comes to pass. In your life today, he gave you a promise. Don't you go anywhere until that promise manifests. As sure as he promised it, it's going to come to pass. Here's the thing, everybody's promises may be different. So don't look at my life and expect God to move the same way as he moves in yours. Find out what he has promised you and stay right there. Now I'm gonna tell you, it would have been an awful thing if some of the disciples said, well, you know what, this is taking too long. I don't know what he promised, but I got a lot going on in my life. And if he don't get here and do something in the next few minutes, I'm leaving. He told them, go there and under no uncertain terms do you leave until what God has promised comes to pass. And it says, the promise you heard from me, John baptized in water, but you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit and soon. Verse 6, and when they were together for the last time, they asked, Master, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? Is this the time? Now, that, that question was real important because when I began to study this, I said, Lord, he went from telling them to stay right here, don't go anywhere. He told them there's a promise that John told you about and I told you about that's going to come to pass. The next thing they say, they asking, God is the promise now about to come to pass that you're going to restore Israel. He says, mm -mm, it's not for you to know the times. We're asking God to restore our crazy, hectic lives. We're asking God to restore our dysfunctional families. We're asking God to lay his hands on our pocketbook and multiply everything in it. Let's say everything, everything in it. We're asking God to heal our sick bodies. We're asking God to do stuff on the outside. But what he really wants to do starts on the inside. Amen. 
Their first response was, after he says, wait for the promise, after he said what he said is going to come to pass, soon you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The first thing they say to him is when they were together with him, Master, are you going to restore the kingdom? Are you going to put Israel back in order? What are you getting ready to do? Is this the time that somebody's going to take leadership? Is this the time you're going to put off and kill off all of our enemies? Is this the time you're going to put stuff in order? Listen to what he told them. He told them, you don't get to know the time. You you don't get to know when I'm going to put stuff in order. Matter of fact, the promise that I want to give you has nothing to do with the chaotic life that you all around involved in now. He said, first of all, get your mind off that stuff. Get your mind off the fleshly, carnal stuff that only you can see and do. He says, I know you got bills to pay. Get your mind off. I know you got children you're paying for. Get your mind off. I know you're in relationships that's driving your baddie. Get your mind off. He says, it's not for you to know the time. Timing is the father's business. What you'll get, hold on now, you worry about the timing. What, what I'm getting ready to give you is the Holy Spirit. Then he says, now when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all over Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the world. He says, after you get the power, all that other stuff won't matter. After you get the power, after you, after you get the power, forget all that other stuff. Ain't, ain't nothing that the enemy can do with a believer with some power. You can mess with my bills, but if you don't mess with my power, I still beat you. And you, you ain't got, I'm gonna tell you something. As, as a child, I remember mama trying to rob Peter to pay Paul. I didn't know who those people were, mama. <laughs> I kind of got what she was saying a little later. She's going to rob Peter. I'm going to delay paying this one and to pay Paul. Because either the lights, I, I may got a little wiggle room. We may be able to make it for a few days, but we got to eat today. So I'm going to put off that trick so I can eat today and believe God. One more day, the lights on. Glory to God. Friday coming. And we, I'm robbing Peter. I didn't understand. It. But even through all of that, in the house, her and dad had never lost their power and authority as our parents. We didn't know, we didn't talk smack when, <laughs> when things were tough. To us, they still had all power and they had all authority. So he said that the power that I'm giving you, the Holy Spirit says, I don't care what your situation is, you still will be walking in the power and the authority that God gives you. We have to stop thinking that our power and our authority is diminished by our circumstances. I'm still a child of God, yes. full of power, anointing, and authority. Yes. And may not have two pennies in my pocket. Glory to God. I can lay hands on the sick, poor as I am, and they're going to recover on They sure will. Because I have power and authority. Well, let's talk about power. Power is the sense of ability, force, or capacity. Freedom, mastery, superhuman. I'm looking these up. This is from my, my tra biblical translation of that word. Superhuman. I have jurisdiction. I have jurisdiction and I have leverage and liberty over the enemy. Jurisdiction means I can tell him you can only go so far. Uh, you can't have my children. 
You, you can't have my help. You can't have my fun. You can only go by because I have power and authority. Oh, I don't, I don't sit with the enemy and I act, tell him you can come at this time, but you can mess with this, but you can't mess with that. I give him no place because he has given us all power and authority. Right. Have you ever seen a real parent talk to the child and ask the child to negotiate and how y'all feeling about what we do today? Most of us tell them what to do. And if you're a good parent, you like telling them what to do. You don't, you don't ask them for a vote. You don't, you don't, when they're young, you don't ask. You know why? Because they don't have the mental capacity to make the wise choices. He says, now after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, I will give you power and authority. When the last time I used my power and authority as a believer? When was the last time I, I, I let the enemy know you shall not reign and you shall not win? When was the last time I told him I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ? When was the last time I told him you, I have dealt with you long enough? When was the last time I laid hands on my own self and prayed the prayer? When was the last time I walked in the power that God has given me? Now, if you look at why he gave you the power, Remember I said power for what? The word of God says that he gave you, this Holy Spirit is going to come upon you so you can do this. You will be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And all over Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the world. What does it mean to be a witness and who is a witness? A witness is a person who willingly suffers rather than renounce his or her origin. Willingly, willingly. If I'm going to be a witness for Christ, I willingly exhibit the character of Christ. Now, in our judicial system, whether you like it or not, they can force you to be a witness. They can give you this little piece of paper, which our federal government, they Trump and all of them been having a fear day with these things called subpoenas. <laughs> Willingly or not, you get one of those, you better show up or they're going to come and get you. So they force them to speak on something that they have seen or heard. Well, guess what our Lord is not going to do? He's not going to force you to speak on nothing for him. I'm not going to force you to be my witnesses. But once he fills you with the Holy Spirit and you walk in power and authority, he says, now this is why I'm giving it to you. So you can willingly go out and be my witnesses. You can willingly go out and represent me and walk in authority. You can willingly suffer for the cause of Christ. When I looked up the word witness now, he says, I'm giving you power and authority. And the first thing you're going to have to do is grapple with the fact you're going to have to suffer. I'm asking the Lord, how can I represent you without the suffering part? <laughs> you know I love you and I'm going to do anything for you. But how can I represent you without having to suffer? How, how can I represent the King of Kings and Lord of Lords without 
suffering. How, how can I represent you, Jesus, and not feel the pain that's involved in being with you? How many of you know that when you call yourself a child of God, look for times of suffering? There is no way of getting around it. If you're going to name the name of Christ, full of power and authority and all, suffering is a part of it. Suffering does not mean you don't have power and authority. Quite the contrary. If I suffer like a good soldier, it lets you see I have power and authority. If I suffer and pop off at the, you just like the world does, it lets you know I have no power <laughs> and I have no authority. Mm -hmm. If someone offends me and I keep my tongue and I run in my office and I plead the blood until I get it together and come back out, that means I have power and authority. Amen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If I don't comment, on everything people say to me means I have power. And if I love you and you don't love me, means I have power. If I treat you right and you don't treat me right, it don't mean I'm crazy because the world calls that crazy. It means I have power and authority. Right. Now, the word of God says he gave us power and authority for what? To be his witnesses. Somewhere in our society, we got power and we got authority, but we dropped the ball of being a witness. Mm -hmm. See, I don't, I don't want to take the time to be the witness. I like the power and authority, though. I like being able to say, in Jesus' name. I, I like being able to speak in tongues. I, I like going through all the churchy motions. I, I like that because I associate with the church. And then church people tell me how great I am. I like all that stuff. But when it comes to the witnessing part, where you're telling me I have to sometimes step back and be quiet and not walk in this outfaced authority. No, no, I have to suffer. We don't like that part. Okay. So a witness is a person who willingly suffers rather than renounce his or her religion. A person who is put to death or endures great suffering on behalf of their belief or their principle. That's a person that is a witness. When was the last time we just suffered for the cause of Christ? Oh man, nobody's willing to do that. Nobody's willing to, nobody's willing to do that. I'm not going to give up for the cause of Christ. I'm not going. There are certain things I can't say because of the cause of Christ. Certain places I can't go because of the cause of Christ. Certain people I can't associate with because of the cause of Christ. So when was the last time I denied my flesh for the cause of Christ? I want you to go with me to the book of Genesis, chapter twelve. Genesis, chapter twelve. Power for what? On this Pentecost Sunday, power for what? We come to church every Sunday, we get the word of God. The spirit of God lives in us. For what? Right. It is not that I can be successful in my job and my career, because guess what? The world is doing that. Not so I can be famous, living nice, and have a nice cushion life. The world, you don't need to have power and authority for that. The world does that. But power for what? 
In Genesis chapter 12, it talks about it. We're going to read verses 1 through 3. And, and I want to, it says, Now the Lord has said unto Abram, Get thee out of that country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee. And in thee, watch this, shall all families of the earth be blessed. In Acts, the reason that the Holy Spirit came such that we are Abraham's seed, are we not? So therefore, I am equipped with all power and authority such that all families of the earth can be blessed. I am equipped now to be that witness. So therefore, in fulfillment of the word of God, that is why he has equipped us with all power and authority. Pentecost Sunday represents when the church received the authority and the power to do what it needs to do. You really don't have a car without an engine. You have a pretty shell. And actually that shell is good for nothing. The whole point of a car is to get from point A to point B. It is a form of transportation. Now, as simple as all this sounds, think about a believer with no power. The Bible calls you a sounding brass and a tingling cymbal. We lived in a neighborhood where somebody had a chime outside their house. So the wind kicks up at night, and, and I don't sleep heavy like somebody else that I sleep with. Heavy. I don't sleep heavy. So the easy little chime, I'm up and I'm like, Lord, I don't want to snatch the people chime down because they're going to be stealing. But I need the chimes to stop. But when we are a believer with no authority, we are sounding grass and a tingling symptom. You're just making noise. You have no impact in the kingdom because you have no authority. After Pentecost, he equipped us as the believer with all power and authority. But we just don't make sounds and noises. When I say in Jesus' name, come out of her, I mean I am full of power and authority. Prior to that, we were a church people that loved God but had no authority to act out what God called us to be. Do you see why we celebrate Pentecost? Aren't you glad for it? Yeah. Pentecost gave me the authority to keep my flesh. Yeah. Pentecost gave me the authority not to be swept away with peer pressure and doing what other people. Pentecost gave me the authority. If nobody else is going to love Jesus and do right, I'm going to love them and do right. Pentecost, that experience, gave me the authority that I can live a godly life. Yeah. When a person first gets saved, they give their heart to the Lord, but we don't have anything in us to keep us from going the other way. So I don't know about you, soon as you gave your heart to the Lord back in the day, the next thing they tell you is you need to be filled. I used to say, filled with what? <laughs> then they begin to tell you, you need the Holy Ghost because they call the Holy Ghost a keeper, yes? The Holy Ghost will keep you when the saints aren't around. Mm -hmm. The Holy Ghost will keep you when the enemy comes and talks in your ear 
and mother so-and-so not there that you can she can tell you, Lucia daughter, don't do that. The Holy Ghost will keep you when no one's around. So after the day of Pentecost, and when they were filled with all authority and all power, and they began to speak with tongues as evidence of what God did in the inside, then he says, now, go out with all of your equipment and be my disciples. Yes. Uh, some people are going out now with no power and they getting swept away. With all these other religions and doctrines going on, I tell you, don't go out there if you're not ready. Because before you know it, they will have enticed you and pulled you away from what you know is right. Yes. The Bible says in the last days, remember, there's going to be a great falling away. Go with me to Matthew chapter 3. Oh, I thank God for Pentecost. Right. I thank God for the power of God. Bible says, when I would do good, evil is always present. Bible says at times the good that I would do, I don't find myself doing that. The very thing that I said I wouldn't do, that's what I find myself doing. But the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost in me, it is a keeper. Matthew chapter 3, and I want to start at verse 11. It says, I indeed, this is John, baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I whose shoes I am not worthy to bear, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Look at verse 12, whose fan is in his hand, and listen to what he's gonna do. He will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn the chaff with unquenchable fire. In other words, the one that gives the power and authority in the end is gonna separate the wheat from the tares. That's another thing. He did not give you the Holy Spirit for you to sit in a place of judgment. Amen. Now I told you, I don't know, maybe it was just in my church experience. But you had some people that were speaking in tongues and hand clapping and running around the church and they always judged people. They felt like they were the spiritual authority. God never gave us the Holy Spirit and power and authority to judge people. He says, in the end now, I'll do the separating. I need all my Holy Spirit and my Holy Ghost to keep me right every day. I don't know about the rest of y'all, but I can't use my stuff on y'all. I got a Jesus, I got enough, or I use mine every day. Lord, keep me sick. Keep me home today. Keep my I don't have time to judge y'all because I'm so busy asking them just to keep me day by day. But this scripture lets me know, he says, now, the same one that gives you that power and authority will do the separating at the end. Yeah. Go to John 14. Ah, John 14 and 26. Woo. The Holy Ghost, he talked about him. He talked about the Holy Spirit equipping us. So now when the day of Pentecost comes, he says, let me tell you why. John 14 and 26 says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. Listen to what he'll do. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Hallelujah. Woo, the Holy Spirit not only is a keeper, but he's not telling you you got to have like a computer brain to remember. He says, I'll bring back to your remembrance what you need. Amen. Yes. 
He says, I'll bring it back to you and I'll give you everything that you need. Everything that pertains to life and godliness. He said, I'll do it. So I'll tell you, now John chapter 20, you should be in the same. Well, John 20, 19 and 23, it says, in the same day, being the first day of the week, the doors were shut but the disciples were assembled. The fear of the Jews came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, peace be unto you. And when he had said so, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. And then Jesus said to them, peace be unto you. That was twice he said it. As my father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. And said unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. But Thomas, listen, one of the twelve, I don't want to be the doubting one that misses what God is doing. I don't want to be the doubting one where God wants to bless me and restore me and I'm doubting, need God to send so many times. I don't want to be that one. Thomas, verse 25, the other disciples therefore said unto him, we have seen the Lord. He said unto them, except I shall see in his hands and the print of the nails and put my finger into the point of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Look at all the proof that Thomas needed. We should need, those that are filled with the Holy Spirit should need any proof from God. His word is enough. Amen. Verse 26 says, and after eight days again, his disciples were in with them and Thomas with them and then came Jesus and the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said peace be unto you the third time and then said he to Thomas reach hither thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless but believing be not faith when you need proof from God he calls you faithless when you need God to prove something to you, he calls you faithless. Don't tell me you are a child of God and the only time you believe God when the money comes. I need it. No, no, no. I need to see it. what it's no, I ain't not a girl. What? There it is. Well, you are not a faith believer if you got to see it. He called them faithless. Thomas needed God to do all of that. Thrust your hand in the nail. Put your hand in my side. He says, now, Thomas, be not faithless, but believe it. And Thomas answered and said unto the Lord, my God. And Jesus said unto Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believe. Blessed, highly favored, endured, and endowed, and able to prosper all those that believe and have not seen. I'm believing and I still have pain in my body, Sister Cheryl, yet believing. Mm -hmm. Money look funny, but I'm still believing. It says, blessed are those that believe and have not seen. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples. Listen at which are not written in this book. But these are written that they might believe that Jesus is the Christ, 
the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Now, this very message was sent now is the message that we should tell others. I can't tell others if I don't have the power and authority. Amen. It all goes back to power and authority for what? Power and authority for what? Going back to our scripture, Acts 1. Go back there very, very to wind down. Power and authority for what? Why, why, why this power? Why did you tell them to wait and tarry in Jerusalem and don't go anywhere? Why did you command them to stay there? Why, what, why should I be using this power? Verse seven, it says, and he said unto them, it is not for you know the times or the seasons, but the father that puts it in the head, but ye shall receive power. You can overcome whatever the enemy has your way. You shall receive power. Yes. You know what? Even when the lights are off in your house, there's power available to you. Amen. That does not mean that the, the lights don't work because you don't flick them on. But it takes some effort from you to put the power and authority that's made available to you in action to take advantage of it. Just because you get in a car and it's full of gas and there's an engine and you have keys, unless you operate that car and do something with it, you still are just full of authority and doing absolutely nothing. We have the power of God in us. He says, ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. The enemy should not be able to just push you around. There's power and authority available to you. He says, and I want you to take this power and authority and be my witnesses. Show the people how godly people go through. Show people how godly people walk in faith until God answers. Show people and tell people how I was lost and a wretch undone myself. But look what Jesus did. That's what the power and authority is for. Thanks for listening to the Life Worship Center podcast with Pastor Helene Robinson. If you're interested in joining us on Sundays, our services are held at the Clarence Cuffey Community Center at 2019 Windy Road, Chesapeake, Virginia, 23324. Our Sunday morning service is held at 1 p.m. and our Bible studies are held on Thursdays at 7 p.m. Join us and be blessed. And remember, there's life in the word.